Penn State football is heading into a surprisingly important game against Maryland this weekend. They sit at 5-3. and three. Both teams have had three-game Big Ten losing streaks and are at a crossroads late in the season. Penn State had their open practice yesterday. Myself and Nate Bauer, senior editor at Blue White Illustrated, were there. We're here to tell you about what we saw, what we heard, and what we felt from Penn State football. So, Nate, as always, just want to open with your impressions of what you saw last night at practice. I mean, I think certainly we're at the the stage in the season when interesting observations are starting to run thin, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, uh, a lot of it they, is on repeat at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, like they, they I, I, I kind of feel this way about this week and this game in general that Penn State football right? Like you can't know until you see what the result is. Like, I just don't, I don't know what this team is at this exact moment. And so until they play another game, right? Like are they as awful as Illinois? Probably not. Are they as good as they were against Ohio state? And really like, maybe that's the question is how good were they against Ohio state? Like that's, that's what I am having a hard time putting my finger on. And so, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, the products of that is that looking at them in practice this week, it's kind of like my, my main takeaway last night was that the, the encouragement level seemed to be a a point of emphasis within the coaching staff, right? Like keeping spirits up it very much felt that way to me was like, Hey, you know, Hey, get, get better. Every rep, get better. Every right. I mean, I'm sure you heard the same stuff, like just lots of, lots of clapping, lots of, lots of, and, and, and it's, is that because they've lost three games in a row or is it because it's the beginning of November and they've been doing this every day since the end of July? Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. just, that's just kind of the feel. And so I think that, that as this comes, we're just going to have a much better sense of what this team is, where it is, how close to, you know, danger zone, you know, abort mission. This right. is a huge problem. Right. Flush, like if flush they, it down the toilet. Like there, there are people that after the five and O start Penn State fans that after the five and O start were on the mountaintop, right? They were on the mountaintop and they have fallen so far that after two losses, the season was down the drain. Like it's over. It's just over. And then the predictable loss to Ohio state comes and then they confirm those feelings that a third loss means the season is garbage. And I've, you know, I understand that's the pressure cooker of college football, that every game matters. That's why it's beautiful. That's why it's brilliant. It's also why it's crazy. Five and three in any other sport at this point in the the season is a good record with a team that has, again, last week played well against Ohio State. So it's really interesting that all of that shades this game going into Maryland. In any other situation, you would realistically think, yeah, Penn State's going to win this game. Yep. Right? Like you would yep. you would realistically think Penn State is ah, they're gonna win this game. Sean Clifford's healthy now. Yeah, I think I yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, my my challenge in evaluating this game is that 
I don't, I don't know that I feel that way. I mean, I guess, I guess I see some of the, the results that they've had and like, there's no denying that and, and people will try to deny it, but there's no denying that beating Wisconsin at Wisconsin, the first week of the season was a great win for Penn state football. Yep. Like there, th that is, that is not up for debate in my mind, beating Auburn. I understand Auburn has had some troubles, but Auburn just got a big win themselves last weekend. Uh, beating Auburn at home was a big win for Penn State football. I mean, this is a Penn State football team that has played uh, four top 20 teams in its yeah. first eight games. Including two like, top five teams. <laughs> including including two, two top five teams. Yeah. You know, so um, so so it's just, it's hard, it's hard for me to gauge you know, uh, really, in my mind, how bad Maryland is, right? Or yeah. good. Because, I, I mean, I, I don't think anybody um, who saw Maryland get absolutely waxed against Iowa, it, like, that's the that's the ingrained yep. image in my yep. mind of what Maryland is, is, oh, hey, here, Iowa, have the football. We want you to have it. Just right. take it from us. Yeah, and that, and I talked to Emily Giambalvo of the Washington Post earlier this week about that. Of so everyone holds on to those moments, right? But then, as as not a fan of the team, you you hold on to that. But then more stuff happens, and more information is added. But we only right. get those, and and that's what I wanted to find out is what's happened. What's happened since then? Has Talia Tungavaloa been better with the football? And a lot of the metrics say that he has been. So yep. that, to me, is an interesting thing. Uh, another quarterback that we need to talk about. Are you are you done with the Taquan Roberson saga story? He was at practice yesterday. You saw that in the little montage we had earlier. And by the way, if you want to, want to watch the full video of practice, it's over on our YouTube channel. If you're watching on our YouTube channel right now, once we're done talking here, just go flip over, see the practice montage we put together, uh, and you can get an idea of what's going on at practice. Take one Roberson back. James Franklin said he he missed some time due to some limitations. Do you are you interested in that story at this point? Nope. Right. Nope. Not at all. Doesn't <laughs> so, matter. Uh, just, just a gen like. I, but this has been the conversation since July. Was yeah. Penn State football has. I. I mean, I, like I, I'm trying not to be dramatic about this, but like they just. You, he's not ready for that. That's that's not what his role is. It's not what it was supposed to be. He's supposed to be the third-string quarterback. Second-string quarterback left. <laughs> Penn State was unable to replace the second-string quarterback, and the third-string quarterback isn't ready to move up to second-string. So I, I kind of understand the, oh, well, bottom line, ready or not, you got to be ready. Fine. But it doesn't change the reality of what the situation is for Penn State, which is if Sean Clifford, one, isn't playing, they're especially in trouble, and two, isn't playing well, they're very in trouble. Like, it, it just, the, the, he is a clear barometer of what their success is going to be as a program. And I don't think, I don't think that any amount of conversation about the backup really changes that. And so that's what, that my expectation this week is that Penn State will win if Sean Clifford plays well. They will lose if he doesn't. Yeah, and you can That's see it. here some of the things that kind of go into that is Sean Clifford and Talia Tungavaloa 
are the two most prolific passers, not the most productive, the most prolific passers in the Big Ten. Uh, with the number of passes they've thrown and then the passes to the certain parts of the field. And if you watch the show this week, you've seen some of this information. So it is clear what these two teams want to do and what they want their identity to be. And it's all tied to how their starting quarterback is playing. And I guess that's that's what when I start with, you know, any other time of the year going into this game against Maryland other than 2020. Again, other than 2020, anytime you go into this game and even last year, you were expecting Penn State to win that game. And, and that now the, 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 the reality has shifted. Even though Sean Clifford showed last week he was healthy enough to execute an offense and play with the number five team in the country. And yet fans still have a certain perception of this because of the way the last three weeks have gone. And I guess that's where when you talk about the encouragement and the way that the coaching staff was talking to players, I do believe that it is part that it is, uh, that it is January. I do, or January, November. It feels like Almost. it's been. It feels like it's been, it's January. It feels like we've been doing this for six months, um, but also because there was legitimately positive things that came from last week, and also yeah. the pressure is off. Again, all of those expectations, the pressure of being perfect is off. They have three losses. They're not going to any um, majorly significant implications for the rest of the season. It's, now it's about playing and getting better, and I do think some of that pressure is relieved, and all you have to do is avoid the tank. Is that, I mean, do you, you, seem, to, you seem to be like, yeah, well, sort of. So what do you not agree know. with there? Well, no, I just, I, I, I go a little back and forth. What, the, I mean, the first thing that I, that I object to, and this is, a, a different conversation, but I don't think that Penn state football is in a position right now or this season after last season to assume wins like that. Just that has to be out the window is you look at these two programs. You see the Penn state has uh, more better players and therefore is supposed to beat Maryland. Uh, I, I understand that, but it, it's been a while since Penn State could predictably beat or like that you think that they should be an assumed win against a Indiana, right? Mm -hmm. Maryland. Like, I'm not saying Illinois. Like, that's that's something else. Uh, but some of these middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams, like, Maryland's 5-3. and three. <laughs> They're not yeah. terrible. Like, they, I mean... They got problems. I don't think there's any question about that. And some of the problems parallel Penn State's problems in terms yep. of injuries. Yep. So that's that's the first thing. And then the second thing is I do think that there is a certain amount of pressure attached to avoiding the tank, right? Like that, that, yeah. that comes with its own situation of, okay, well, yeah, now maybe the stress and, uh, you know, that like you said that pressure cooker of trying to make the playoff okay that's off the table that's fine yeah and i'm not going to suggest that penn state is like packing it in or that they have packed it in if anything i think it's the opposite of that this is a team that that really is brainwashed into let's just compete every rep that we possibly can yeah yeah but but <laughs> there's a there's a backside of it of Hey, the, okay, these these things that we wanted are gone, but on the flip side, 
if we don't avoid uh, <laughs> if we don't avoid a loss here, this is going to be four in a row. Like yeah. all of the shades of of last season will come rushing back. I, I'm not, and, and this is this is my point. I'm not assuming that they are taking it easy. I'm not assuming that they are are in any way packing it in, but more so the stress that you see early in the season of we have to win this game one and zero, one and zero, one and zero, with the context of we can go where we want to. Now sure. you've got more information of. Those big goals are now done. So let's focus on and really go one and zero. Like at at this point, really, what you're playing for is the next game. There there is no other big thing in the back of your mind. As much as you want to be fully focused on the game in front of you, you're fully focused in the game on in front of you because of the larger motivation. The larger motivation is gone. So now it's just hey, let's go play football and let's win this game. And that's what I'm saying about the vibe of what I got from them is, hey, let's go play football and win this game. Screw all the other stuff. Screw the bigger, louder noise. Let's just go. Let's go beat Maryland. That's what we want to do this week. Yeah, I I just I I tend to I tend to think that that is fairly consistent about Penn State football in general. Right. I I mean, uh, not and obviously the results conflict that statement from the Illinois game but I I I do think that they thought Illinois was the most important game on the schedule right like the 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 next game is always it just takes that paramount importance yeah uh, within this program and and I I mean I I don't want to be fixated on it but I I think that I, I don't think that you could say that they didn't play hard in that Illinois game. Are you saying that people think that or that I was insinuating that? Uh, no, 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 not, not, not you, not you. I'm, okay. I'm just saying in general, like it seems to me, like I, I don't so, really ever question the effort. I don't yeah. like uh, that. Does, yeah. That does not seem to be something that's lacking. Right. I mean, even yeah. right. I mean, it's just, it's always there. The, 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 the effort is always there. It's just, yeah. you know, sometimes they don't have it. And There's a difference between effort and reasons. execution. Like effort no and execution are very different. So the defensive line outside of the young tackles that were in a new position against Illinois, the rest of the defensive line didn't play particularly well. You know, some of the other depth players at the edge defender position, some of the other linebackers, they just didn't play well. And like that no. happens. You sometimes have a bad game. And I guess my, my thought and how, you know, I'm just that the the reason I bring up this particular thought is because um, you lose that game to Iowa and you understand why you lost that game. You lost your starting quarterback. Things kind of got off the rails. OK, the next game you come back, you cannot lose. you got to beat Illinois. You want to win. Sean Clifford isn't playing well. That's the tightness of like, we got to win this game. And I understand we, we got to win this game because we've got to win this game. But we got to win this game because we know we just lost one. We've got to win this game, and then you don't. And then you go into Ohio State, and you perform well because you always do in that game. Always yep. play well in that game. And then now it is, let's play Maryland. Let's just uh, truly focus on this game, not worry about what happened because we played well against Ohio State. We know we can do it. 
And I think yep. that's the thing too, is you want to have, what James Franklin says is you want to have positive things to teach from even in a loss. And there were a lot of really positive things to teach from in a loss against Ohio State. So I, you know, I, that's why coming into this game, I think the belief should be play like you did last week and you win and that's it. Yep. Yep. No, I think, I think that's fair. Look, they, they got to get their mojo back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and they had it last week. I mean, that's the, that, like you're saying, that is the, if you have a reason for optimism as Penn State football right now, uh, for, to be able to avoid losing four in a row and to just simply get a win this weekend, it's that Penn State has absent last year, traditionally played pretty well against Maryland. Yep. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's kind of uh, self-evident. And in general, you, they, okay, there, there were positive things. There were a lot of positive things that you can build on from last week. You presume that the, the quarterback is going to be healthier this week than he was last week. Go from there. And, and, and a couple of, I mean, it's not just, it's not just uh, even Clifford. I mean, you, you, you've started to see people who have been hurt through the middle section of the season or the beginning of the season start to, to make their way into, um, you know, into the conversation, including uh, not injured, but James Franklin said it this week, uh, Devon Ellis and because um, I second there, guy because yes, I is there... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The, those guys weren't ready for the second half at Iowa. They had a foundation to work from against Illinois, and then played pretty well against Ohio State, and so that that natural trajectory of three games has, you know, really helped them settle in and you would expect them to, to play well again this week. We, I want to get to a couple questions that I got on Twitter this week. So I want to start doing a, a mailbag session here with uh, Nate on Thursday. So if you are watching this and you want to get a question out on Twitter at Thomas Frank Carr at Nate Bauer BWI, you see that down there on the bottom, we'll be getting to your questions throughout the week and you know, we'll, we'll get them here on this Thursday show in particular. Um, but first, Blue White Illustrated, Nate Bauer, he didn't move, but we all have a new home. Blue White Illustrated's new home from the founder of Rivals and 247 Sports comes the next generation of high school and college sports fan experience. It's called On3. You see it up in the corner there of my shot. On3 is going to change the way you follow Penn State sports with new technology and a 21st century approach to recruiting. More information, more data. They're going to have uh, all kinds of different ways you can research where prospects come from and, uh, you know, in general, what states, what schools, and then more predictive ways of determining where a guy might go. It's all super exciting. Check out our recruiting podcast with Greg Pickle and uh, with Ryan Snyder. They had Charles Power. He is the head of On3 Recruiting to explain what they're doing in that area. All in a new place, BWI, everything we've been doing all season long, and it's just for $1. Get the first year for just a dollar. Link will be in the description of every YouTube video here. So if you're watching here or if you're listening to our podcast, just scroll down in the description. You'll find the link to join on three for a dollar. Some of the questions that I want to get to. Uh, it's a dollar. It's a do Yeah, it's a dollar. Do you have a dollar? Honestly, not on me, but. I was just thinking that like I have to look. Uh, I, have I have access to one. Ooh, look at this. I have two subscriptions right here. Look at that. Woo! That's all you need. And I'm a millennial. I never have cash. So, yeah, the only thing in here is, like, coupons. 
Um, I want to get to this because there's some interesting questions that's going to lead into a conversation that James Franklin uh, talked about last night. The first one, though, is how much do you feel uh, a lot of this offensive woes can be attributed to Mike Yersich having to utilize player builds that may not necessarily fit the mold of his offense's style? So we, we talk about the way this offense is operating as if this is the way it's intended to operate. And I think Jamie Hamlet uh, makes a good point. Do you think that that is a part of what's going on this year offensively? No, I, I don't. I mean, maybe I, I don't, I don't really see it in that granular of a contact. Like, I, I just, I think that you, you play with the players that you have and that's consistent all the time. I think, mm-hmm. right. Like it, it doesn't. Were his were Mike Yurcich's rec- players at Oklahoma State exactly what he wanted? Were they exactly what he wanted at Texas? Were they exactly what he what he wanted at Ohio State? I, I don't. I mean, obviously, you you want to have Justin Fields, okay, right, <laughs> fine, right, uh, that's okay. But I, I think that you, in college football, in particular, where it's more of a challenge than building, and I mean, even in the pros, you don't the offensive coordinator doesn't get to pick players for the GM. I mean, yeah. certainly they, you know, you're working in a certain direction, but I, I just, the shortcomings that Penn state has are, are, are things that an offensive coordinator is tasked with adjusting to constantly yeah. uh, all the time. It, it doesn't like there, there is no, uh, unless you're Alabama really, uh, or, or maybe even Georgia. I, I, I don't know. Like um, uh, um, there are very, very, there, it is a handful of teams annually mm-hmm. who can trot out 11 players that, I mean, even Ohio state last week, I, 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 was anybody impressed with their center? <laughs> was anybody right? In, like there's just, th- th- those are just things that you have to work with. It's not, that's, it's not, it's not always, uh, it's not always exactly the way that you want it to be. So, uh, I guess I guess what I don't understand about the question is what what is the player build that Mike Yersich would prefer? Like longer receivers. So one one area that uh, that when I read this question that I thought of was going back and watching the Oklahoma State film because I think that's where you have your largest sample size of him really being in control, being part of the recruiting process. What did they like to do? in those prime years where it was all clicking for them, especially with Mason Rudolph, like, you know, with the operational offense. What happened after that was a little bit tougher because the quarterback wasn't quite up to what they want to do as a passer. One of the things that I noticed, and this is something, the reason I talked about it so much this offseason was the outside zone. They set up that he would set up a lot of plays, play action and otherwise, based off of the outside zone and the way that it all washes one way and come back the other with a pass concept or a run or something like that. Uh, And they really, and I don't know if this is a personnel issue. I don't know if this is a philosophy change over time. I don't know if this is a James Franklin influence of we want to run more inside zone. But to me, that is one area from what I saw previously to now what they're not doing because they've tried it. And when they've done the outside zone, it has not been successful. They have not been good at running it. 
So it's one area that maybe there is some of that. But I agree with you. Like, in but general, you have the players you have, so you coach to those players. Who's responsible for that, though? Right. right so for the, for the success of running the outside zone, is that purely you, you must have an outstanding tight end as a blocker? Right. Or you must have an outstanding tackle as a, is it who, who dictates that success? Uh, well, I mean, offensive line is always, uh, a position of unity, you, you know, the weakest link sort of position. So it really comes down to, I think to me, that is where I see the players and pieces that don't fit together perfectly along the offensive line. If you were all one thing, and you all were quick athletic players. And, and this is always a it, it, gross generalizations kind of mischaracterize how football works, right? But if you had generally a build of guys that were specifically tailored to do X and you had recruited them over time, then that is a part of it. I, and and I, I don't know. This is an area where I don't really know because I don't know what the conversations are in the building as far as what they wanted to do and what they're doing currently. Because James Franklin talked about this offseason, there's a place for that, and that was a thing that we were all looking for, and it has been pretty insignificant in the long term, like in the broad view of what this season has been. Part of that could be the running back, too. Vision and decision-making are really important, and the one guy who's been able to not be bad at it so far this season has been John Lovett, who has been not in games for certain parts of the season. So, yep. you know, I it, that might be a personnel issue. That might be a ph- philosophical one. But it is one that I've noticed as far as that particular thing. And then the vertical passing game. You know, do you think Penn State has an excellent vertical passing game skill set across the board? Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, uh, just hearing you talk about this uh, makes me think about what I asked James Franklin on Tuesday at the press conference about the explosive plays uh, out of the running game or lack thereof. Yep. And it the, the the way that this always tends to go is you, you can't you can't isolate these elements on their own. None of them happen in a vacuum. Yeah. So the fact the fact that Penn State can't do that one element, right? Break off one 50 yard run a game. One 40-yard run a game. Because Penn State can't do that, it impacts elements of the passing game. It impacts elements, right? Like, it just, all of it plays together as to not only what you can do, but maybe more important, what you think you can do. Yeah. As the, as the play caller, if you don't have any confidence that what you want to run here is something that you can execute, again, not on its own, but eight out of 10 times. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like right. That's the, is, is if you can't do it, then you're not, then you're going to stay away from it. And so, I mean, I, I just, it, 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 it is this uh, tangled web of things offensively for Penn state this season that have not particularly worked well together. And so that those absences of certain ingredients in the offense Honestly, they just they have a, a ton of effect. I mean, I, I'm just maybe, maybe I'm more down than other people because I've been having this conversation all week. Like Penn State's season high against a power five opponent is 28 points. Yeah. Yep. The, the sample size is large enough. They don't score enough points. 
you fix it. I don't know how to. Yeah. Uh, so this is, that's what people have been asking me all week is like, okay, so what about X? And I threw out the idea on Twitter. Why not put Parker Washington in the backfield? I mean, he's bigger than Devin Ford by weight. And there are smaller guys in the NFL that run the ball and he's faster than anyone else. They have another guy PSU 87 brings up that I wanted to see all season long. And we've really seen carry the ball exactly three times. Do you believe there's any way they let Kazai Holmes get some shots over the last month? A guy that has speed, but we haven't seen this year. Uh, Nate, usually in that situation, there's a reason, right? And, and what do you think? Do you think over the last month we might see uh, a glimmer of some changes with some young guys in general, not just Holmes? Yeah, I, th- I mean, certainly I think uh, Devin Ford's status moving forward would impact that, um, right? Like, I, I just, you want to have four available uh, and play three. So if Devin Ford isn't available, then yeah, I would think that because I like you're getting to the point where the you can maintain a red shirt. I, I don't know. Has Holmes played? Uh, He's played many, in what? two games, I think two or three. Okay. So he should have okay. at the minimum or at the yeah at the minimum one more, you know, but that that's a that's a break glass in case of emergency situation, um, you know, where where you've already utilized him a couple of times. You've got presumably with a bowl five games left. You know, what, what do you, like, I think it's unrealistic to think that a guy who they chose to redshirt this year is, is somehow going to emerge as the best option in their minds late in the season just because the other guys like there's a little bit there's a little bit of bias in this right like you've if you're the coach you've made the decision and just because it hasn't worked out the way that you want it to doesn't mean that you're considering your original decision to be wrong right and so and so and so that's uh, barring injury a rash of injuries. I don't see that as taking a 180 to say, oh well, because I like nothing else has worked. So the guys, the guy that we deemed expendable at the beginning of the season, now we're gonna shoot him to the top of the list. I don't, I don't see that happening. Kaziah Holmes has played in two games so far. I want to double check in case there were special team snaps that I didn't see, but yeah, he only ran the ball three times. He has five total offensive snaps. Um, and he played in the Ball State in the Villanova game. Um, the Marquise Wilson I threw up there as well. Talk about a storyline that vanished this year of Marquise yep. Wilson, the guy who plays on both sides of the ball, doesn't play on either side of the ball right now. So yep. it's just it's an interesting situation. And I, I say everything's interesting. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, it, it. There are players that we have been introduced to over time that quietly disappear from the picture. And I, that part is like, there's a reason that's going on behind the scenes. And then fans go, well, what about this? And that's the decisions that have made been made over the last month and a half that we just haven't been privy to. Yeah. No, but, but like Marquise is, is, is less interesting probably than we think in that they don't need him in the secondary this season. And presumably... He wants to be a receiver. Yeah. Well, you can't learn to be a receiver in at this level reliably and effectively in six months. And yeah. so 
now you're given this opportunity to hit pause, play. Uh, if you can save a red shirt, I mean, you might not need it, but if you can save a red shirt, use, use that red shirt and get, get your reps where necessary and where available and get better, <laughs> get better. So that next year when Jahan Dotson is gone, you're, somebody who can step in. You're somebody who can, who can fulfill some of those roles. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any question that there's opportunity at receiver for, for Penn state yeah. after this season. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to step in and, and do that. So no, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, the identity of Penn state, this is something we've always talked about of your identity is kind of shaped early in the season. And you mentioned this is a team. Now their identity is they can't score enough points. Like they, they can't score enough points against good teams to be competitive in high, highly contested situations. So what do you do in those situations? And that's one thing that I, I think is a really in caught myself. It is a really critical thing this weekend between two teams that I think have a similar problem in that area. I don't think in any situation you have this vision of what you want to be before the year starts in any walk of life, let, let alone football. And it, it turns out exactly as that, that picture, um, as, you, as you thought it would be. You have to adjust and you have to navigate um, and you have to, you have to be flexible. And whether that is scheme or whether that is personnel, um, at the end of the day, no one, no one cares. You just got to find a way to get it done and you got to adjust and you have to plan for some of these things. So that's the challenge. There's a bunch of moving parts. Um, but I think, I, think, I think that's where it starts is you can't sit here and say, okay, I got this vision and it better fit this vision exactly how I saw it. And if not, it's not going to work. Um, you you're constantly have to be adjusting and, and making changes and being flexible uh, and willing to change. Do you think that James Franklin has been flexible enough this year to change on the fly and make things work. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me to look at this season and, and determine that right this second, um, in the sense that they abandoned the original plan last year. There, like, there's yeah. no question about that. The, the identity and the character of the team that emerged in the second half of the season had virtually nothing to do with the team that they were trying to be at the start of the season, which was explosive, yep. high, you know, all, all that stuff, right? Like, they, they went 180 and decided to be not explosive <laughs> run the ball right which they which they did they did that effectively uh the way that this season has gone for Penn State I'm not sure they're convinced I mean I mean uh, let me say two things one I do think that they tried to change their identity for the Illinois game they wanted to win a 21 to 17 game right that, that was what that game was supposed to be they understood they understood that they could not be the team that they were in the first quarter against Iowa that scored 17 points in what 18 minutes, right? Like that, that, that went out the window. And so, and so to me, that is a sign of 
flexibility and changing as it's dictated to you, as your circumstances dictate. However, the return of Sean Clifford reopens that possibility. Right. Re- and, and in a lot of ways, I mean, they, I, I don't know that they have another choice given how bad the running game has been this year. They can't right. turn into a ball control team because they don't have ball control. It's not right. It's not an option. It's not an option for this group. So the elements of wanting to continue, they they've played fairly good complimentary football. The defense has, has done well with, um, you know, field position and, and just generally limiting rushing yards outside of obviously the Illinois game. Uh, yeah. They've done very well with, with sudden change. And then, and uh, you know, Jordan Stout has been very good as a punter flipping field position. So like all, all of those things that I think that they were at the beginning of the season, they still have the opportunity to be those things right now, mm-hmm. but they, they have it. You know, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not opening any eyes here, but like losing your starting quarterback yeah, really impacts that. It so really impacts what you're able to do. This is, I, I, w- I would say for what they wanted to be at the beginning of the season, where I, when they finally got those single coverage plays down the field or busted zones against Wisconsin, where, where they were bringing pressure and it was either a soft coverage shell or one-on-one after that. Every team said, okay, that's not happening for Penn State anymore. And Mike Yersich and the offense have adapted, and they have become a ball control through the air team. They have gone on 10, 13, 15 play drives, dinking and dunking the ball down the field. But it is it remains that they, they can't hit those big plays, which we've talked about all week long. And James Franklin said they want to be more explosive. So those are, those are all things that are, uh, those are adjustments from what you wanted to be. One thing that I think is interesting in this game, because it again, there, uh, <laughs> go ahead. There's, there's, they're still trying, right? Like, I mean, yeah. uh, it, it's you not, never it's give not, up on things like that. It's it, exactly like it's not, it's not as though they didn't take shots or haven't wanted to take shots. They lost the game. I, I don't want to put it in that term, but the the final interception at Ohio State was because they were trying to hit yep. Dotson and man coverage. Yep. <laughs> Like that's it is they were, they're trying to go 50 yards down the field and then uh, Clifford got hit either hit or pocket collapsed, whatever uh, the pressure was too much. So no, I mean, I, I think that they have, they have maintained wanting to do that. They just haven't made the plays to be able to, to do so effectively. Mm-hmm. They, they, they haven't won uh, enough of those single man coverage um, opportunities and situations this season. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because that has been something that I, I was taking a look at because of the way Maryland wants to play defense. This is a really critical matchup. Penn State has not performed very well in man coverage so far this season. They've not been productive against man coverage defense. Jahan Dotson, only six catches for 60 yards so far in 2021. Parker Washington, a little bit better, but both these guys uh, have more capabilities than they are showing it's just this, this to me is another part of an area where if you're going to pressure, and that's usually what happens when you play single coverage, you either pressure or you're adding other players into the coverage route, uh, you know, in deep responsibilities. And so far, Penn State hasn't been able to beat that consistently this year. It's one of the matchups I'm really watching for in this game because that's what Maryland wants to be. 
but they're not good at it in the secondary. So how does this break out is, is really what I'm wondering in this game on Saturday. Well, I mean, Dotson probably doesn't see a lot of man coverage, does he? Like, what are, do you know what the opportunities are for him? So he's had 14 targets, which is top 10, I think. For sure, top 10, maybe top 5. I, I was looking more at, at specifically targets and yards and receptions. Um, but yeah, Penn State sees a lot of zone coverage, and he does well against zone. But when teams yeah. do go into man coverage, it was one thing, it was one of the storylines coming out of Ohio State was when they sent a six-man pressure, Sean Clifford didn't necessarily execute those plays. And and that's the yeah. part where this is a little bit of a, it's a little hard to parse out between the receiver and the quarterback of if he doesn't yeah. throw the ball, they don't get the opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a little bit of what Wisconsin was doing at the beginning of the season. Yep. Right. Like, and that's, that's, I, I mean, it just, it, it, it always felt to me like that was the, the, the foundational element of or or the equation that needed to be solved was can Penn State give Sean Clifford enough time through its pass protection and that's everybody that's tight ends running yep. backs offensive line can Sean Clifford make the right play make the right decision right can yeah. he escape the pocket how does his health impact that uh and then once the ball gets out can the receivers make a play yep. um so no I mean it's it's yeah, like I, that's been one the of the things. Well, I was just gonna say, like in a, in a game like this, uh, I think that Maryland's mindset, right? Like we're we're asking, okay, well, how's that gonna go if Maryland isn't very good in the secondary under those circumstances? It's worth the risk. It's right. It's worth taking that chance because you know that Penn State can dink and dunk you to death. That's. Yeah. Penn State is able to do that. You know that your offense isn't going to uh, put up 35 against this Penn State defense. And yeah. so you're, there are calculated risks involved. And if if it, it, it you know, <laughs> like it sounds more gambly than it is, but you only need a couple of those. Ohio State only needed a couple of those pressures to upend the game and to win the game. And so if Maryland does the same thing, yeah, maybe it doesn't work out, but at least he took a shot. At least, you, at least you, you tried. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, I don't know. It, it will be interesting. It, it's the part that the injury I think has affected the most is this particular area of the passing attack for Penn state, because Sean Clifford in blitz situations early in the season, what he was doing was, he was escaping the pocket, and if you don't corral him in the pocket, and one of the sacks that he took, somebody asked me, did they uh, rattle him or something? No, he was trying to escape. It was man coverage. He was going to pick up the first down. Ohio State yep. is just more athletic, and they actually got him at the line of scrimmage. He hasn't yep. been able to break the pocket against man coverage and pick up those big chunks since the injury. And yep. that, it, to me, is a big part of this game, is if that is Maryland's plan of attack and this is why identity to me came up this week is Maryland wants to blitz and play man coverage they want to dictate the action and I don't know that they're able to do that I that's really my biggest question is are they able to do that I don't think they're going to be able to and you saw they're injured on both sides of the ball that's why I'm going with Penn State in this game I think it's a to me with all that information I think it's pretty clear Penn State should win this game it'll take a big swing in one of those key factors we've talked about today to make it anything other than that What's your what's your number? 
I, Penn State could get to 35. I think this is the game where Penn State now, they're healthier in the secondary. They may have more resources there now than they did previously, but I don't think that they're, even when they blitz, they're not good at it. So this is an area where I think Penn State could get to 35. I'll hedge and say they hit their, their season high of 28, maybe 31. 31. There we go. Perfect number. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can live with that. I don't, I don't have them getting that high, but okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. That's why they play the game. <laughs> certainly is. Uh, we'll leave it at that here on the BWI Daily Edition. That's Nate Bauer. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Hart. Nate, thanks today for always coming on. It's always fun talking Penn State football with you. No, it's fun talking Penn State football with you. We'll be back tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition, wrapping up your week with Ryan Snyder's best bets and more recruiting news as we move to On3. Make sure you subscribe.